Are you looking to reach your full potential and achieve success in business and in life? Want only tried and tested guidance from people who have truly made an impact? You have come to the right place. Welcome to Five Questions with Dan Shabell. New York Times bestselling author Dan Shabell distills the most actionable and tangible advice from a variety of world-class humans, including entrepreneurs, authors, Olympians, politicians, billionaires, Nobel Prize winners, TED speakers, celebrities, astronauts, and more. Inspirational guidance, practical advice, and concrete solutions. Our Power Chat starts now. Welcome to the 83rd episode of the 5 Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Shabell. My goal is to create the best advice from the world's smartest and most interesting people by asking them just five questions. My guest today is DJ, record producer, and music executive Steve Aoki. Born in Miami, Florida, Steve is the son of Rocky Aoki, the legendary owner of the Japanese restaurant chain Benihana. During college at the University of California, Santa Barbara, he produced do-it-yourself records and ran underground concerts and eventually launched his own record label called Dimac back in 1996. Steve's label released music from a variety of electro house artists like Felix Cartel and Block Party while remixing songs from a variety of artists like Kanye West, Eminem, and Drake. He rose to international fame for his surfing stunts, cake throwing, champagne spraying, and riding rafts during his hundreds of performances each year. Steve's first solo album, Wonderland, was nominated for a Grammy back in 2013, which is the same year he was ranked in the top 10 best DJs in America. Since then, he's released four other albums, Neon Feature 1, 2, 3, and 4, launched his own comic book entitled Neon Future, and his memoir titled Blue. I first interviewed Steve eight years ago for a series I wrote for Forbes called The World's Greatest DJs. And out of everyone I interviewed, he was the most authentic and vulnerable. That's why I was excited to catch up with him again for this podcast episode. Steve, we're constantly told to follow our passion and you've not only found your passion, but turned it into a thriving career. What do you recommend to others who have not found their passion yet or haven't been able to monetize it? The only way you're gonna find your passion is if you try many different things. We're in a quarantine. This is the this is the opportunity to take advantage of that time because that's also very difficult, you know, when people say, Well, I don't have the time. You know, I have to work, I have to two jobs to pay, I have I have bills to pay for, I have kids to feed, I have a family to take care of, whatever, what whatnot, or I'm in school, you know quite the opposite if you're young and growing up. It takes a lot of uh, effort. And that effort's really you just sitting down and thinking about uh, and planning out what are the different things that you want to do. That actually takes a lot of effort, I think, for a lot of people. But if you sit down and you really stop the train and you go down your list of all the different opportunities and different uh, skill sets and different things that are in front of you, you got, you got to make that time for yourself or else you're never going to find the passion. And when you, when you are trying all these different things, you have to have a perspective of adventure. If you look at everything that you do as an adventure, even if it's, it leads to nothing, at least you learn something from that. And as someone who has toured the world many times over, you've witnessed how your music has impacted different cultures. Now that you're in isolation in your home, how have you reflected on your life journey and what will you do differently when your life gets back to normal? Yes, uh, I have done a lot of introspection during this time, and it's been really good to stop the train 
even when my train stops pre COVID, I, you know, in my head, I'm thinking I'm constantly needing to work towards something because there's other people that, that want to take your place, you know? So you have to constantly work for that. But now it's like everyone stopped, you know, it's like if you're an athlete and you have to constantly practice, you know, so you're always not on the bench, but now everyone can kind of stop and like try other things. And for me, not only am I trying other things, I'm also, I'm doing a lot of introspection, a lot of self-care routine, which I'm very, very happy about. Similarly, I had a vocal cord surgery six years ago and I couldn't talk for a month. And during that time, I did similarly the same kind of self-care routines, meditation. Now I'm adding in breath work every day, reading every day, you know, just more working my brain muscle than, and working, working the gut muscle too, by just eating healthy. The self-care uh, has allowed me to really reflect and have this gratitude of the position that I'm in in a time like this. Speaking of reflection, this month marks the two-year anniversary of Avicii's death, one of the most celebrated DJs ever that I've interviewed, that you've collaborated with. How did his passing affect you personally and made you think about the life you want to live and the legacy you want to leave behind? Oh, wow. His passing was heavy. It makes you think a lot about, you know, at the level of how hard we push ourselves, you know, to do what we do. Because when you're at that position, right, when you're at that place, there is no ceiling. You can keep going. You, you can really go harder than you can ever imagine going. I never thought I'd be touring, you know, 300 shows in a year around the world at one point. I never thought that was even possible. I definitely tamed that down a lot. Definitely say the passing of, of Ichi was part of that. But yeah, the legacy to leave behind is it's like uh, to continue to you know do our best to make music that touches people. And when you first started your label, you were signing big acts while simultaneously losing money. What steps did you take to become profitable again? And what did this time in your career do to prepare you for the future? Yeah, you know, I, I remember during that time when I was so in debt and I, and I could not see the light at the end of the tunnel as far as how I can create enough ROI on the Dimmock business side that I was able to pay off the interest rates and start paying down these credit card bills. You know, I was like, okay, I could pay off the interest rates because, you know, uh, we are making money. And the problem is the kind of business model that I was in is a distribution deal. So you get paid quarterly. So if, as long as you can survive those coming months before you get your quarterly check, you have to, you know, think ahead for like the next two checks that are coming. So that way you have enough bandwidth financially to pay off your own bills and, and, and uh, continue uh, supporting all the different releases that you have coming out and artists that you have, that you have on the label. There's a lot to deal with, especially at the time when I was a struggling businessman. I didn't under, really understand business so much as I understood the passion of, of my business. I, I, you know, when I was de I was teaching at the time, my saving grace was really thinking outside the box and saving all those $20 bills to $100 bills that I was getting from DJing, you know, because in the beginning, you know, you're getting 50 bucks, 75 bucks, and then adds up to about 200 sometimes to 500, depending on how well you did on these bar nights. But then, you know, I was hustling, all, hustling all over Los Angeles, doing like four different parties a week. And, uh, that adds up to what, like two grand if you're making 500 bucks a show, maybe $400 a show, you're making uh, 1600 to $2,000 a week. Now that's good money. 
you know, especially if your rent's 450 and your car insurance is, you know, less than 200 and your phone bill is less than 200, you're covering your bottom line and, you know, in half of what you make in a week. And then you got to pay for your food. And then the rest is starting to pay down these credit card bills and then continue to sustain the business as well. So luckily I had something that I did not necessarily think was going to help me. The lesson here is that if you can't see the linear curvature of however you're going to make that money from your own business that's in front of you, you have to think outside the box. You have to like try different means because you only have 24 hours in one day. And what's your best piece of career advice? There's no one defining moment. Your success is never linear and it's never going to go uh, in a straight line up, even if it's a small degree. It's going to go down. You have to follow it going down. You have to follow it going up. And as it goes down, your gut will tell you if you're on the right track. Your gut will be a, a big part of your decision. That failure that you, you see that, that is happening in front of you will also tell you if you're willing to continue going forward. You got to trust your gut. So it's not necessarily like keep uh, getting up and jumping back on the same horse. You definitely keep getting up, but you might have to jump on a different horse. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, Steve. To follow his journey, you can read his book, Blue, and find him on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn, where he shares his latest productions, announcements, live appearances, and pictures with other artists. We hope you enjoyed today's show and the amazing advice our guests provided. Remember that you can only benefit from advice if you act on it. Before you do, we would appreciate your feedback in the form of a review. You can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or a podcatcher of your choice. Your feedback would be very much appreciated. Head over to danshawbell.com slash review now. 